Hi, and welcome to the FIRE Podcast. Today we will be talking about the Outer Courts, Part 1. This is the lesson that we learned last week, but this is just going to be the overview uh, again, uh, in case someone has forgotten or wants to uh, catch back up again. Uh, So the key verse uh, for this lesson is Exodus 25 and 9. Exodus 25 and 9 states, According to all that I shew thee, this is God talking to Moses, after the pattern of the tab- of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Now the uh, main idea for, for this, um, these lessons are uh, the place where God was to dwell had specific guidelines and measurements that had to be correct they are things uh, there are things in life that we must also do just as the priests had to do in order to go further into God's presence uh, a lot of times when we study the tabernacle it really is a reflection of ourselves and what we have to do in order to uh, meet God on a one-on-one level daily uh, not just once a week not just twice a week but daily in our lives Uh, Here, uh, in this lesson, we will learn uh, where we we need uh, to be and also give us the knowledge of exactly how God wants us to live and to fellowship and to have communication and daily uh, relationship with Him uh, from day in and day out. Uh, So just a little bit of background information. Uh, Last week, we took a general look at the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Uh, We looked at the three manifestations or ways, uh, another word for ways, that God uh, dwelt or dwells with his people, uh, which were, number one, he he dwelt with them uh, with the temple and with the tabernacle. Uh, Then he came and dwelt with us in flesh, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, uh, dwelt among his people as he walked on earth, fulfilling his earthly ministry. And then three, uh, he doesn't walk among us now physically, but he walks with us spiritually. He dwells in our hearts and in our souls through the Holy Ghost, uh, which he gives to all mankind, uh, whosoever will. We learned that the tabernacle was divided into two different types of courts, or two different sections, if you'd like to call it. Uh, The outside part of it was called the outer. Uh, A simple way to remember it was uh, if it's not not covered, it's outside. Uh, And then we also talked about that inside the tent itself uh, was known as the inner courts. Now the uh, tabernacle uh, tent... um, part was also divided into two sections uh the veil was the dividing factor uh on the outside of the veil uh was known as the holy place which contained the table of shoe bread the altar of incense and the candlestick but then once you stuck step past uh past in uh, past the veil uh, you would step into the holies of holies or also known as the most holy place. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat and the cherubs would dwell. Uh, we'll also talk briefly about the six items that were uh, in the tabernacle or could be seen. Which was the brass altar, 
or the brazen altar, if you'd like to call it that. Uh, the brazen laver, uh, another word for laver is a basin or like a pot to wash with. Uh, the table of shoe bread, candlestick, the altar of incense, and the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat as its lid. Now let's look into the word a little deeper as we look and glance and journey through the outer courts. So before you could even get into uh, beyond the fence and so forth, you had to first approach the gate. Uh, the gate can be found in Exodus 27, 16, in verse 16, and also Exodus 38, 18 through 19. Uh, the entrance to the courts, which was uh, the gate, which was made with hanging curtains. Uh, the colors were beautiful. They were blue, purple, and scarlet, as it says in Exodus 27, 16, as well as Exodus 38 and 18. Uh, there was four pillars of brass, uh, that that they used to help uh, hold the curtain up uh, and those uh, that's also found in Exodus 27 16 and Exodus 38 19 uh, now the brass uh, they didn't want to get the brass dirty so they actually made uh, things called sockets um, kind of uh, like uh, kind of let's break down the word and basically think of it as a sock Okay, your foot goes into the sock to make sure your foot doesn't get dirty. Well, the same thing uh, was this. They actually made uh, kind of like a sock or a boot, uh, so to speak, of brass so that these poles could slide down in and it'd keep them uh, healthy. It'd keep them from cracking, rusting, or even um, getting damaged. Uh, so they always would look pretty. Uh, then there was also uh, hooks and uh, clasps kind of like shower curtain clasp, if you want to kind of use that example, um, were used at the top of the pillars uh, to help hold the curtains uh, steady. And you can find both of those in Exodus uh, 38, 19, uh, as well as the sockets or the sock or the boot of brass made for the poles. The gate to the outer court measured at about 20 cubits uh, 20 cubits long and about five cu- uh, or 20 cubits wide, excuse me, and about five cubits high. Which, if we actually measured that out in uh, U.S. terms, uh, it would be about 30 feet wide and about seven and a half feet high. So, if you were uh, taller than seven and a half feet high, you'd probably have to duck just a little bit. But um, the gate separated the people from the awesome and most holy God. Uh, they couldn't enter into the tabernacle or even to the courtyard without entering the gate first. Uh, God could only be approached with repentance and sacrifice when the people came inside of the gate, according to Psalms 15, 1 through 2. Uh, the gate itself represents Jesus Christ as the door. Uh, They didn't call it a door back then. They called it a gate. Um, But we know according to John uh, 10 and 9 that Jesus said, I am the door and no man can come unto the Father except by me. So if if we want to enter into God's presence, we must first realize and recognize and acknowledge who who we're going to. uh, And that's Jesus Christ, uh, our Lord and Savior. 
just a quick note, I, I want to talk about the fence just a little bit uh, because the fence actually also helps separate it out the, um, the tribes and also the people from entering in from a different way. And it had a purpose and there was a reason for it. You can find the fence in Exodus 27, 9 through 18, also Exodus 38, 9 through 17, and Exodus 40 and 33. The court fence was the outer border of the tabernacle. It consists of the following, uh, which were linen curtains. Uh, people do not know what color they are. A lot of scholars believe that it, it was white. Uh, but uh, So if you'd like to think that they were purple or red, uh, that's fine. Because uh, it doesn't give us really the color of what the walls were. But we, we kind of guess or we kind of just imagine in our head that they were white. Uh, and you can find the linen curtains in Exodus 27, 9 through 18. Uh, it also had pillars to hold to, between each sheet. It also had the boots again or the sockets. And it had ho hooks and clasp or uh, like shower curtain rings. Uh, on top to help keep it steady and keep it tight uh, and you can find that in Exodus 27 10 through 18 uh, it also had pins uh, these uh, they also had rods going across and they had to keep them from rolling off from one side or another or or if someone accidentally ran into the wall or, or so forth uh, to keep it from from that rod coming loose so they had pins that were made of brass according to Exodus 27, 19 and Exodus 38 and 20. And the fence itself was about uh, five feet high. Uh, so, um, so if anyone was taller than that, they could kind of see inside, but they could never enter it unless they entered into the gate. Now, once you step foot through the gate, uh, you would come, the first thing you would have to come to is the brazen altar. The brazen altar, or uh, or if you wanted to put it in a more simpler term, the brass altar, because uh, it was made of bronze or brass. Uh, uh, it was also made out of acacia wood, which was a little stronger than uh, kind of like an oak, uh, but it was stronger than that. Uh, the altar was shaped in a square uh, figure, and it was covered with brass. So, uh, so if you've ever picked up any oak type stuff it's kind of heavy but you you add something you add a heavier wood to it and then you cover it with with brass or with some kind of uh, metal um, it gets pretty heavy uh, but um, the four corners of this altar uh, also had horns coming off of it and they were overlaid with brass as well uh, the, the horns of the altar uh, would be uh, would later signify different things uh, and also during the sacrifice, it was the priest's job to cover the horns with blood. Uh, so they would have to uh, swipe each one as they were doing their sacrifices. The priests, this is where the priests would offer the sacrifices for the sins of the people. Uh, not even the priest could enter the tabernacle without first going or uh, going to the altar. They couldn't pass uh, they couldn't pass another step fur further until they got to the altar. The altar, uh, the altar had some utensils that came along with it, uh, and these utensils or, or these tools that they used were such as um, brass pans for receiving ashes, or also uh, a pan for fire. 
it had uh, a brass flesh hook or also known as uh, kind of like a fork uh, because they were they were allowed to take some of the meat uh, not the best meat but some of the leftover meat and that's what they would eat as uh, their dinner and also or their meals from day to day and also they would have to give uh, the best for uh, to the Lord and also uh, they would have to take all the all the bad stuff uh, in it and they would have to uh, pull it out out of the fire and get rid of it uh, so you know it kind of helped them uh, be able to reach where the fire was uh, they also had a shovel uh, because uh, if it gets too hot then what will happen well the fire will go out if you get too much ash uh, to the right spot so they had to keep shoveling and they also had brass basins to help uh, with that um, and also discard different pieces of the animal or uh, hold on to the pieces of the animal uh, inside the uh, altar there was a brass grate uh, and if anyone's ever grilled anything if you open up the grill you'll see a grate or you'll see what uh, uh, the, you'll see the marks uh, on the stake uh, it's those li black lines that you see. Uh, that's what causes it, is a black grate. And they also had black rings on each corner so that they could, uh, so that they could put it, uh, the brass rings in each corner was to, put, uh, was to be put under the uh, brazen altar. Uh, they also made hollow staves or carrying poles, if you want to call it, made of Ikea wood the same way and covered with bronze. And they used this to help carry the altar from place to place. The first fire was started by God. But it was the priest's job to keep the fire burning and it wasn't to be put out at any time. According to Leviticus 6, 9-13. through 13. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, but one other thing I want to mention is that the altar represents our repentance. Uh, every day we should want to get up and tell God, you know what, I don't want my will to be done, but I want your will to be done. Uh, I, I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what God wants me to do. And uh, so with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, this is part one of the outer courts. Uh, this week we will, we will be studying uh, part two, uh, which is continuation of the brazen altar, as well as the uh, brazen laver or the brazen wash pot or basin, if you'd like to call it that. Um, and we hope that you enjoy. God bless, and uh, we will see you next week.